Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome into First Nazarene Church and Happy New Year, the first Sunday of 2024. Uh, is it just me or does 2024 just doesn't seem to fit right? Like hard for you to say, hard for you to write 24 at the end of things. doesn't feel right that 2024 is already here. Uh, and I don't know about you today when you come in here, if you're um, still on like a Christmas coma where you're still eating the Christmas food and like, man, it still feels like Christmas. Uh, or if you're excited for the new year, a time of new beginnings, you see the snow falling and you're like, building snowmen outside and excited about what the new year holds. Not sure how you come into this place today, but I'm glad that you're here. Uh, For those of you that are here each and every week wanting to know who Jesus is and to grow in your relationship with him, thank you for being here uh, consistently. And for those of you that may be new to our church, thank you for being here today too. Uh, Maybe today's your first time, or maybe last week was your first time, or Christmas was your first time, and you're hanging out exploring a little bit more about who this church is, or even exploring your faith Uh, We appreciate you and I say thank you uh, for being a part uh, of our service today. Um, Today we begin the new year as a church really with an experimental invitation. Or for those of you that are competitive, any competition people, you're very competitive just in nature. Wonderful, you people. Uh, For if you're competitive today, I want to challenge you, okay? Don't back down from the challenge. I want to give you a challenge uh, today as we start this new year together. Beginning today, we're starting a three-week series, and what we mean by a series is three Sundays in a row that build on one another. Uh, When you come next week, it will build on what you heard this week, and each week it will build, so I challenge you to be consistent uh, with us. A three-week series entitled 21 Days, 21 Days, looking at the next three weeks together. Now, most of you, and maybe you've already felt this, when you see 21 days, Maybe your mind immediately jumps to like, 21 days to a better life. 21 days that if you do these things, you will lose 15 pounds. That's probably not healthy anyway. 21 days if you do this, then it will completely change your life. And I just want to tell you, and this sermon series, in part that's true, uh, but this is not a series about shortcuts or quick results. And in fact, in the Christian life, there are no shortcuts. Rather, the result of our spiritual life is the delayed results of the investments that we are or we are not making over the years doing the small things that matter most. During this series, what we're going to do is revisit Christian practices that are tried and true that people have done through the centuries to help them to know God more about practicing the Christian faith. And I would actually say this. Um, This series is really probably less about Sunday morning church and being here, and wow, that was amazing and a great emotional moment on Sunday morning. And in fact, it's much more about what you will do during the week with what you hear on Sunday. That's where the challenge will come from. And I can promise you that if you practice the things we'll talk about, you will have a faith 
that thrives, a soul that feels whole and connected to God and lives in love with other people, even in the midst of a loud and busy world and through all the seasons of life. Um, the best way I know how to actually introduce this series was um, the way that m one of my mentors uh, put it to me. Uh, one day I walked into his office. His name was John. He was a pastor. I walk into John's office. Hey, hey Galen, uh, how's life? How you doing? Uh, how you doing in your relationship with God? And I said, John, maybe some of you can relate to this. Man, I feel like it's good. Like I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Yet if I'm honest... I feel like my spiritual life has been dry lately. Like when I think back, I remember these times and these moments where, man, the sermon just hit home and it was what I needed. I felt God's presence there. There was moments of worship. The things that I was singing was exactly what I needed to express or to surrender. Man, I just remember God's presence and it was this overwhelming, almost emotional feeling. I knew God was there and real and with me. But man, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but I honestly feel kind of dry inside. It's been a while since I've had an encounter like that. What do I do with that? My wise mentor, John, looked at me and said, Galen, I've come to know you a little bit. Uh, I know this is going to seem like a random question, but I'll, I promise I'll bring it back. Galen, you like food, don't you? And I was like, and he did know me. I was like, why, yes, I do. In fact, uh, at the time I was working at the Hereford House, it's a fancy fine dining steakhouse in Kansas City. I was a waiter and I was like, man, just last night, there was this ribeye that was overcooked. Uh, the customer had asked for it rare, which first of all, if you eat your steak rare, God bless you, I'll pray for you. That's a decision you can make. Uh, my father-in-law does, this is not for me, okay? Uh, it was overcooked at medium rare, which is perfection. And they said, well, we're going to have to throw it in the trash. And I'm like, this is a $50 cut of meat. You're I had the most amazing dinner last night, John. John goes, Galen, it was a rhetorical question. I didn't need the story. Thank you. I know you love food. And then he says this, Galen, do you remember what you ate for dinner 90 days ago? <laughs> what? If I asked you today, do you remember what you ate for dinner 90 days ago, Monday, October 9th? Do you remember what you had for dinner? And he went on, and I will with you. Do you remember what you had for lunch 25 days ago, Wednesday, December 13th? It wasn't that long ago. What'd you have for lunch? Do you remember how much water you drank in ounces 20 days ago on December 18th? Of course not. Sometimes I don't even remember what I ate yesterday. Here's the point. You may not remember what you had, but it sustained you and gave you life for that day. And the next day, you ate, you drank, and it sustained life for that day. And the next day, and the next day. There are moments in life where you have a medium rare steak dinner and it is wonderful. And there are many more moments in life you have a ham and cheese sandwich that gets you through the day. In the spiritual life, we long for big experiences, amazing revelations of God, and that is good. But do not get discouraged when you don't regularly, consistently, every single time, encounter God in that way. When you read your Bible, when you pray, when you show up for church, when you gather with the life group, you open the scriptures and you pray for one another, don't get caught on the emotions or the feelings. For those are the things that keep you alive for that day and then you go to the next, and they keep you spiritually alive for that day, and then you go to the next, which also means the opposite is true. 
if we're not praying, reading our Bible, worshiping with the community, showing up and sharing life with others in a life group, if we're not doing these things, then spiritually we are starving ourselves. Are we alive in our spiritual life? It's these small things, these small disciplines that keep us alive each and every day. Because as a pastor, I, I don't know if I'm off on this, but I feel like most of us know God with our head. I believe in God. I believe that God's real. I, be, I maybe even believe that he loves me. Maybe even that he sent Jesus. I, I know of God. I believe in God. Yet we don't know God in our hearts. And I don't mean in our hearts like this passionate love, passion, I love God. I mean like the deep felt knowledge of a relationship. I could say that I know my wife. She's about this tall. She's got darker hair. Some of you were really confused when she went back to her normal hair color. Like, I know who she is here. But when I put my arm around her, I've got 13 years that I know her here. Experiences we've shared together, life we've shared, moments of joy and laughter and tears, I know her. Can I tell you that you can know God in that way? And it's done through the simple sharing of life together as you live life most of us may not feel like we know God in this way, yet there is good news. I believe that living in relationship with God is far easier than most people assume, but it requires discipline, which most of us ignore, or maybe a better word would be despise. We do not like discipline. Yet, even if discipline carries a negative connotation, I put it to you this way. If you are not happy with where you're at in your spiritual life right now, you'll probably need to do something different to get to a different place in your spiritual life. Or as one person said, everything you want is on the other side of something you're not doing right now or something that is difficult that you're unwilling to do. I think G.K. Chesterton said it best. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. The Christian life delivers on its promises. If you want to know why you've been created, what my purpose in life is, how can I know and experience a wholeness, a feeling of peace and joy and life, it's not found wanting. It delivers on its promises. But it has been found difficult and left untried. Well, if Jesus would require me to change my habits of how I spend my time, if Jesus would require me to love and to serve others that I would rather not do, if Jesus wants to reorganize how I practice generosity, if Jesus wants to me to change and transform my life, that's kind of difficult. I'm not sure I really want to try. Yet if you want to experience the life that you've been created for, it comes in relationship with the one who has created you. It's not that it's found wanting, it's that it's found difficult and therefore left untried. So this week or during these next 21 days, I want you to engage in spiritual practices. And today, opening with the spiritual practices of prayer and fasting together. Let's hear Jesus' teaching on these two things. He ties them together from Matthew chapter 6. He says these words. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. 
Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. This is where we get the language of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven that we prayed together earlier in the service. And after that, he goes on. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. There's a few things from these verses I want to pull out for us today, and the first is this. Jesus says, when you pray, when you fast, Notice that it is assumed to be a Christian. I believe in God. I believe that Jesus, uh, I believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for my sin, to give me new life, to change and transform me in the here and now, to live with him forever, to usher in God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm a Christian. It is assumed then that we are praying and that we are fasting. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, when you pray, when you fast, when you fast. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Maybe the main part of this passage is don't be like the people who do things to get noticed by others. Hypocrites do things to be noticed by others. Typically, I've found those with the largest insecurities or pride are the loudest in the way that they live their lives. Yet it's those with integrity and peace who live humbly. Those understand that while the world looks at outward appearances, Scripture says God looks at the heart. Or these people know that what is done in secret makes a person. Today I want to tell you that what is done in secret will always come to the surface. What is done in secret will always come to the surface. Whether it plays out and works itself out in your life right now, or at the end of time when God comes back, what is done in secret will come out into the light. Now look at this. When you look at that, it causes two things within you. Maybe for some of you, it causes you to go, everything in secret? Oh, so they're going to find out about that thing? If that is your gut level reaction to that statement, I believe that is the Holy Spirit telling you that is something to repent of and to begin to ask God to help you change in your life. You can start that right now. But the opposite is also true. If we pray in secret, if we fast in secret, Jesus goes on, if we give in secret, if we practice these things in secret, they will come to the surface. It will come out in a life of abundant life with God, and at the end of time, the answers, the effects of our prayers, the effects of our fasting and our giving will always be seen in heaven. I want to encourage you that what happens in the secret will always come to the surface. So, in the next 21 days, I want to send you out as a church on a secret mission, to be praying and fasting for those in your life, to be praying for them. So when you leave this place, if you decide, hey, I'm going to join with the church, I'm going to do this 21-day fast together, the first thing you should not do, as Jesus just said, is to go on your social media and just say, hey, I'm going to let the world know I am praying and I am fasting and I am holier than you because I am doing these things, and here's a cute little picture of myself to prove that I'm actually doing it, okay? Don't do that. Jesus said, don't be like them who do things for the public appeal so that others see you. But do it in secret. That person doesn't need to know you're praying for them or that you're fasting. But could you do it anyway? 
So let's look at each one in turn, prayer and fasting. First of all, prayer. Prayer in its simplest form is talking and listening to God, spending quality time in his presence with him. Some of you, if you're like me, uh, I like to spend a quality time with my wife. Most of us think, okay, after the kids go to bed, we sit on the couch, something's on the TV, she's on her phone and on her Kindle at the same time. Don't know how that works out together. I've got some on the TV, I'm on my phone too. Maybe I got my work computer over here too. Quality time, we're together, right? When was the last time TV remote was down, phones were away, and you didn't sit beside each other, you sat across from each other? And you looked one another in the eye, whether it's a spouse or a friend that you've had forever, someone you deeply trust and value. You looked one another in the eye and you had a conversation. Maybe it was full of tears, maybe it was full of laughter. But man, time passed. You thought you were there 10 minutes. It's been an hour. You've spent quality time together. What if I could tell you that could be the picture of what our prayer lives could look like? At first, when you meet someone, conversation might be hard, or how do we talk with one another? What do you value? What do you not? Maybe for some of us in prayer, that's how it begins. But the more you get to know someone, the easier it becomes to spend quality time with them, talking, listening. This is the picture of prayer. Even if you're here today and you're more cynical, if you were to Google today, what are the practical results of prayer? You'd find that people who pray are often more mindful. They're in control of their thought life. People who pray often exercise more self-discipline in other areas of their life. People that pray experience less anxiety and more peace, statistically proven. Then the question becomes, so why do we not pray more? Quickly today, just three thoughts I have. First is, I don't think we make time for it. And I say we don't make time for it, not we don't have time for it. Many of you say, man, I'm busy. From the morning I wake up, I start grinding, I start working, I go to work, I've got family, I've got responsibilities, I've got serving things I do. Time I go to bed and the day is gone. I don't have time for it. Yet I think we don't make time for it. If you sleep eight hours a day, and many of you sleep much less than eight hours a day, if you sleep eight hours a day, you're awake for 960 minutes. We couldn't find five of 960 minutes to simply sit and talk with God. We don't make time for it. And to be fair, it's not so much we don't make time for it, it's maybe that we don't think about it as we go. So we get to the end of the day and the day's gone. I never once thought about God or talking with him or being in his presence. Maybe then we could do things to remind ourselves to pray. I told you before I do silent alarms on my watch. Here's the best one. This is what you could do this week. Go home and on an actual physical piece of paper, write the word pray. P-R-A-Y, super simple. You can spell it. Write it down cut it out, and then tape it to the mirror and the place where you brush your teeth. I am assuming a lot about you that you brush your teeth twice a day. Do you brush your teeth twice a day? Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Um, coffee breath is real, brush your teeth, okay? And then in the morning and the evening, when you would brush your teeth, and maybe it's longer than 20 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it is, you would pray. Be the reminder, I'm here anyway, so what if I drew my thoughts and attention? God. In the morning, God, here's the day that is to come. Would you help me? In the evening, God, this is the day that was. What did you show me or teach me today? Simply pray at those times. Fasting is another phenomenal way to remind us to pray. We'll talk about that more in a second. We don't make time for it. Secondly, we don't know how to be quiet. We get distracted and we get bored. I'd actually say the opposite. In our society, we don't know how to be bored anymore. 
Have you ever noticed if you're by yourself for 10 seconds, first thing you do, pull out the phone. And wh- what are we looking for? See what the next person says, see what the headline or the score from last night's game was. We don't know how to simply, if you walk into a coffee shop and see someone sitting at a table with a coffee, no computer and no phone, you look at that person like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? What if when we pray, we begin to normalize boredom and become okay with distractions? That as we sit and we pray, our minds, when we pull out our phones, neurology um, and psychology today are affirming, the more that we scroll, the more we're rewiring our brains and the shorter our attention span becomes. And then we get frustrated when we pray because our mind jumps from thing to thing to thing. It's because we have practiced this. Actually, if you were to go into the further study, since the smartphones came out and then when social media was invented, the more that we spend time on there, it directly correlates with anxiety, depression, and suicide rates in our country. We think it doesn't matter, but it is reprogramming how we think. What if instead we could put that aside and practice the opposite? Slowness, stillness, boredom. And when we get distracted, we would rewire and reprogram our brain to come back to the thing that we were focusing on. That's what we do in prayer. And when when you're praying and you're distracted, do not guilt yourself. I should be better at this. I got distracted in five seconds. Obviously, your brain cares about the thing you were distracted by. So bring that thing back into prayer. God, if this is enough for me to think about or worry about or have fear about, I should be praying about it too and bring that back and pray about it and refocus your distractions and continue to learn how to pray. Uh, We also, finally, we don't think we're good at praying. My hunch is that the majority of us, the only time you hear someone pray in your life out loud is probably on Sunday morning. And you hear people praying who are pastors and who have spent years in school and theology and learned the deep things about God. So when you hear them pray, you think, I can't pray because I can't pray like that. I took a shot at writing a theological prayer you might hear on a Sunday morning that is beautiful but unrelatable for us, for the average person. Oh, Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and your infinite, omniscient, omnipotent, holy, and loving divine self, Would you be this day to me, Jehovah Jireh, and hear and see the requests of this humble sinner saved by grace? Would you remember now the selfless sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah, our Savior, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, and hear my prayer as the one who stands before you with both the imputed and imparted righteousness of Jesus himself. By your sanctifying spirit, shape and form and transform me by the renewing of my mind so that I may be entirely sanctified, infilled with the kinetic love of God, of neighbor, and participate in theosis and the perioretical dance of the Trinity in which all creation will someday be glorified with you. I beseech you this day in the name of our creator, savior, and sustainer, who always was and is and always will be, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit, and everybody said, amen. When you hear something like that, you think, that will never be me. And I don't mean to make fun of this because this has its place too. If you were to go line by line and word by word, this is amazing, beautiful, teach you something about God and yourself kind of prayer. But I don't want you to get so discouraged. If that's how you think you have to pray that you don't pray at all, can I tell you today, I don't think God listens to prayers that are like this more. In fact, I think the prayers that God listens to the most are the honest ones. There's no such thing as a perfect prayer. Or if there is, the perfect prayer is the gut-level honesty prayer. Instead of praying like that, 
You know what I think is probably a more holy prayer? God, I'm broken. Help me. That's it. God, my marriage, help him. God, this addiction, I can't fight it on my own. Help. What is your honest prayer? Do not shy away and don't make it flowery words. God already knows what you need. He already knows what's going through your head. Be honest and pray. Pray and tell him what you need. And as you do, he will meet you there. So pray. If the practice of prayer is new for you, start with five minutes in the morning and before bed. Do your best to be silent with God. Tell him what you need. Ask him what needs to be changed. Give him five minutes of 960 prayer. Secondly, today, fasting. I want to help you and encourage you to begin this new year seeking God with your whole heart. And I believe that fasting is one of the best ways to draw close to God and spend time with him. What is fasting? If you were to look it up in the dictionary, it would say abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink for a set amount of time. This is a biblical practice that was assumed of Christians. Remember what Jesus said? When you fast. He's assuming that we do fast. We see it in scripture. Jesus himself fasted. If we say we follow him, we should fast too. One author actually said there are three duties of every Christian. They are giving, praying, and fasting. We're like praying, okay, I can do that. I can talk with God. Giving, that's a little harder. We'll talk about, uh, God, I feel like that's mine, but we'll talk about it. Fasting, we're like, mm, if I miss one meal, my kids can tell you I turn into a whole different person. I'm impatient. I fly off the handle. I just get hangry and lose control from there. Fasting, I'm not so sure. We don't do it much in our world today, but it was assumed that Christians do and is today. So let me help you. What does it look like practically to fast? As a church, I want to call us to a fast for the next 21 days. If we, you individually and we together, could begin a new year, God, we're seeking you first. First Sunday, we're coming to you. The first three weeks of the year, we're coming to you and seeking you first. Have your way with our church and in my life. So for these next 21 days, to give up something specifically for 21 days and, these go together, pray about something specific. 21 days. If you were to fall in the food and drink category, maybe you would decide to give up meat for 21 days. Maybe for the, I know some of you just got like the Traeger barbecue grill for Christmas and you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you would give up all caffeine and all alcohol for the next 21 days, only water. Maybe if you stepped outside of the world of food and there's other things to give up and to practice in fasting, uh, maybe you would give up all social media for 21 days. Young people are in the room today. The stats I gave earlier, give it up for 21 days and see if it doesn't change how you view yourself and view the others around you. Maybe you would decide to give up all streaming services or news program or whatever it is, however you watch TV for 21 days. But Pastor Gale in the national championship games tomorrow night. Yes, I realize that. Don't be legalistic. Start on Tuesday. It's okay. <laughs> but you would intentionally remove something from your life because you'll learn something about yourself. See, I often tell people that self-denial is an invaluable teacher that we rarely learn from. In our context today, to tell ourselves no, if I want that food, Grubhub can get it here. If I want it, Amazon's got it here in two days or less. Why would I tell myself no? When you tell yourself no, you will learn so much about yourself.
So to choose to fast and then to pray for something specific. You see, fasting teaches us to detach from the things of this world and reattach us to things to the next. And fasting is more about replacing than it is abstaining. So as we're choosing to fast from something, we're choosing to pray for something and pray for something specific. For me, a few things came to mind that God would lead me as I lead and guide our church in our next steps, praying for a friend to get the right job, praying for someone in my life to have a spiritual breakthrough. What would it be for you? Pray for your marriage. Pray for the specific situation that you're not sure what to do in. For a family member. The thing that's causing you the most worry and stress right now or the health issue. Maybe if you nothing else, what do I pray for? God, I just pray that I would sense your, present and your presence and your spirit leading and guiding me in these 21 days. I want to know you more. You, there could be many things you could pray about, but before you leave this place today, I want you to choose one. So it is clear, it is easy, and it is simple. This is what I'm praying for today. And when you leave this place by both doors, you'll see this little whiteboard. It's magnetic. You put it on your fridge, grab the pen with it. You write down your one thing that you are praying for. Ironically, if you're giving up food, you may go to the fridge to be hungry because you're hungry. And before you open the door, you will see this on your fridge. Oh, the reminder of the purpose of fasting is to pray for this. And fasting, what we're saying is, God, I'm depending and I recognize my need for you more than I need this thing in my life. I want to know you and I'm praying for my one thing. And here's how fasting and prayer works together. When you're fasting something and then you miss it, you're going to miss it, it's going to be hard, I made it hard on purpose, don't lower the bar, raise the bar, make it difficult for yourself. When you miss that thing, that is the call to prayer. Every time you think about it, you pause. You say, I'm not participating in that because I'm fasting. God, I need you more than I need that thing, and I'm praying for my one thing. So many of you will pray more than you ever have because you will miss something in your life. So we will pray together. So as you fast, and one more reminder on fasting, examine your motives. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 6, he says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. They try to look miserable, so people admire them for fasting. But I tell you, that is the only reward you will ever get. Can I tell you, I've called the church to fast before. God knows your motives. Why would you choose to fast? Make your motive, God, I want to know you more. Some people are like, well, I was looking to lose five pounds anyway, so here's a new way to do it. Let's fast together. And if so, that's your main motivation. motivation. God knows that, and that will be the only reward that you will get. But what if there was so much more? God, I'm praying for something else. I want to know you more specifically, and I'm praying for that thing. If you do, it says, your Father who knows what is done in secret will reward you. Examine your motives. Don't be a legalist as you fast. As you fast, don't neglect your health. If your doctor would tell you not to fast, if it's food, then don't do it. For those of you that are pregnant or nursing or if you have a history of eating disorders or your mixed motives, then choose something other than food to fast. Take care of yourself. And finally, don't expect a cosmic vending machine. Here's what I mean by that. We often think in a vending machine, you put something in and you get something out. So I'm gonna treat God like, God, look at me. I'm sacrificing for you, so I expect something in return. God does not desire to be a transaction. God desires relationship. 
So even if you don't receive the thing that you are praying for, know that the very act of fasting and prayer will help you draw closer to God. He's not a vending machine. Fasting is feasting on fellowship and time with God. Every time I preach this message, hey church, we're going to fast. I get this same look every time. Pastor, are you serious? Like, mm, it's going to be hard. Good. Most of the best things in life are incredibly difficult. But could you say, I'm willing to try. For those of you that are Christians and maybe you've never even done this even though you're a Christian, would you engage with it? Try something new. For those of you that are kind of, you're here at church and we're glad you're here, but you're not sure what you think about the faith, you're not sure, this is a great practical way. Just call it a spiritual practice if you want to try to draw closer and experience God with us. Try it. Fasting, and I want you to see this. Fasting coupled with prayer is powerful. It can fill our minds with the revelations of God's spirit. Fasting in the proper spirit and in the Lord's way will energize us spiritually, strengthen our self-discipline, fill our homes with peace, lighten our hearts with joy, and fortify us against temptation, prepare us for times of adversity, and open the windows of heaven. Some of you today will leave this place, and you'll decide, yeah, this is an okay message, but I'm probably not going to think about it again. I'm not going to do it. And if you do, probably nothing will change in your life as it is today. Some of you, on the other hand, will rise to the challenge and say, I'm going to join the rest of the church, even though I've never really prayed, I've definitely never done the fasting thing on purpose before, I've never done it, but I'm in. I want to begin this new year by a desire to know God more and to see him move in my life, and if this is one way Christians have done forever, I want to try to do it too, to know God more, to see him move in my life, I'm in. And even if we don't receive the things that we are praying for in this time frame, God works on his own time frame. Even if we don't see the results in the next three weeks, we will be closer to God because of the time spent with him through fasting and prayer. And let me just tell you, as a pastor, I can't wait. Not because I can't wait to see you like suffer and struggle and this is gonna be hard. But the last time we did this, so many of you came and told me the stories. Some of you, Galen, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've never done this. Can I tell you, it was hard, but here's what God showed me. Here's how God worked in my life. Others of you came to me and said, man, I feel like I just go to church, come, stand up, sit down, leave, and I feel good because I was in church. I've never engaged in the actual spiritual practices. And you, those that fasted the last time we did this, came to me and said, I see God completely differently now. Would you try with us? Join us as a church these next 21 days and see how God will work in your life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. But after that, we will begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. As we do, we will launch into this time with prayer together. I would invite you in that time to pray. What is it that you need from God? What's heavy on your heart? Tell him. Ask him for help. Believe that he hears you and is moving. If you would want to come to an altar and pray, you can do that, or you can pray simply where you are in your seats. 
If you're not sure how to pray or even what to pray, there'll be a prayer prompt on the screens that will show you what you can be praying for in these moments. God, today, I pray for your people, this church. Would you use this next 21 days to do amazing things in individuals' lives and in the lives of our church? Help us to increase the spiritual temperature of this place because each one of us has individually met with you during the week to talk with you, to listen with you, with quality time with you, to cry out for when we're desperate for you to move in our life and to praise you and thank you for all that you have given us and how much you love us. Let this be the beginning, not just of 21 days, the beginning of new practices that we would carry on through our life. And by doing these small things, you would keep us spiritually alive and not just alive, but thriving. We would know you not only with our head, but with our heart. We would learn to love you and to follow you all the days of our life. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.